So, Glenn, thanks for joining us. Um, for uh, those of you that don't know Glenn, he's kind of a big deal, well-known around the world as a hypnotherapist, um, but especially big in the UK. He's written several books on uh, various self-help topics and has been releasing his own guided self-help uh, uh, exercises for several years, kind of starting in the late 90s. Um, you can find him all over the internet. But um, so, Glenn, it, it, this was not always a straight line for you, right? I mean, you've got a really interesting life story kind of growing up rough in the UK. Um, can you kind of take us back to that and sort of how you got to where you're at? Yeah, sure. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional household and, um, you know, from the age of 12, I'd run away and sleep rough on the streets. And then, you know, 15, I got kicked out of school, uh, ran with a bad crowd who were all equally dysfunctional. And that was really my my upbringing. It was very chaotic, very messy. And I had a lot of uh, dysfunction within me that I'd picked up from my younger life. And, um, you know, so I was always looking for a way out of that. You know, I had a lot of addictions, drink and drugs, you know, drugs, not so much, but drink, definitely alcohol. And, you know, but I was very, um, what's the word? I was very um, destructive with myself and, you know, at school and um and it was i was a product of my environment where i grew up so as life progressed and i got a bit older you know my one saving grace i became a musician i learned to play the guitar quite young because i was into punk music in the 70s you know the sex pistols and yeah. the clash and all that kind of thing Good and it stuff. really it resonated with me because i was angry young and then this loud aggressive music came along and it was like yeah you know that's for me you know it just totally you know, hooked me in. And, um, so it gave me an expression. It gave me an outlet and I learned to play the guitar. I used to play the bass guitar back then. And I got into a band and we had a little bit of success in the early eighties. We won a national pop competition in the UK. And, um, so I channeled all of my energy into that for a long time. Um, and yeah, we had a brief taste of fame and fortune early on, but it never really lasted. You know, we were all, you know, we were taking lots of drugs. We were doing the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll before we got really famous. We should have at least, least waited. You know, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> hey, you got to take it when you can get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we did that a little bit too early. And, and it kind of all imploded. You know, we were all a bit young and everything came on top a bit quick. So, but that gave me a skill. You know, I knew how to uh, make music and record. I've been in studios and back then I had little, I always kept a little recording setup. It was very basic. It was normally, um, you know, a little reel-to-reel tape, on, you know, with a cassette in the middle. Um, so when later on I, you know, was looking for a way out of the, you know, the failure programming that I picked up from my childhood, I was actually doing um, a cabaret show where we were sharing the bill with a stage hypnotist. And it was while watching this guy you know, manipulate the audience and get them to getting people to do wacky and crazy things that I had a bit of an epiphany that I wanted to study hypnotherapy. I didn't want to do the entertainment side of it. I wanted to do the therapy side of it. So I studied, did a diploma in the UK with the British School of Clinical Hypnosis and came out the other side a couple of years later and really had a thirst and a hunger for it. And and I immersed myself in it. I read every book I could and, you know, I got to see as many clients as I could. And within a few years, I was seeing, you know, 25 clients a week. And this was before I started making recordings. So 
I really had a good grounding in hypnotherapy before I actually started making my first recordings. And then it was literally one day that I thought, I listened, um, I thought to myself I could maybe record some of these sessions, you know, for myself. So I actually made one on confidence. And I remember list, laying back listening to it and, you know, had a bit of reverb on it and went straight into a DAP machine. And it was fairly basic. But I remember listening to it thinking, this is not too bad. Maybe I could sell these. And, um, yeah, and this was like the sort of mid to early 90s. And with from that moment, I... I started to deliver them into local shops and these cassettes, they had handmade covers that I printed off. Um, they were cassettes that I stuck, the little display stand that I had was a little balsa wood basic stand that I put the cassettes on and it looked very naff, but I put it into a few local shops and it started to sell. The recording started to sell. And, um, and then just to elaborate on the story, I went to the bank and I borrowed a thousand pounds off them so that I could uh, have some nicer display stands made. Because I could see that if, the, if it looked a bit better, they'd probably sell a bit, you know, the sales would be better. So I went to the bank, borrowed a thousand pounds, and with, within three years, three years later, I had a PA working for me and five staff, because I was selling like 100,000 a year by then. Wow. And my PA said to me, she said, what's this 36 pounds coming out of the bank every month? And it was the loan I'd taken out from the bank. <laughs> And the company was booming by then. Yeah. And I was still paying the loan back. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all got going. And, you know, it was that was the origins of it. And I was very lucky. Right place at the right time a lot of the, a lot of the time. Right. And so that's quite a story. And so you were super early in the UK. You were super early on Audible. Um, and that's mm. really kind of what grew your platform. But mm. it, what allowed you to kind of make that turn from, you know, you described it as um, programming. You know, you, you mm. recognize that you had this self-destructive programming. You know, you kind of got a glimpse of hypnosis through the stage act. But what, what really kind of made you, make, you know, make this huge turn? Mm. I, I think it was a desire to change the failure programming that I had. Yeah. Because, you know, up until my 30s, you know, when I got into hypnotherapy, you know, my life had been a bit of a disaster, you know, one, yeah. you know, relationships, I was completely always broke. I lived in some really, you know, horrible places in South London, you know, crappy cars I was driving that were always falling to bits and breaking down. Mm -hmm. I got sick of the whole life and I wanted out. I wanted to, uh, to do something better. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to drive a minicab around the West End of London uh, at night time. And it was, again, one of those sort of rough jobs, rough and tough jobs you do. But I met so many people from all walks of life. And often I'd meet, you know, some really um, high flyers and celebrities. I, I met this guy. He was an old gentleman. You probably wouldn't remember his name, but he was called Lionel Jeffries. And he was, uh, he was a very famous actor in the UK back in the 50s and 60s. And I remember him chatting to me. We got talking on the way home one time and he said to me, he kind of saw something in me, he said to me, you know, you could do more than this. You know, you're driving a cab, you could do more. You've got more to you. Hmm. And it really blew me away that this very, very successful actor was given for you know, I never had a lot of praise or compliments in my in my younger life. So right. suddenly this guy saw something he saw something in me. And it that was one of the things, you know, there were a number of things that happened to me along the road that made me realise that I could do more than what I'd been 
told that I could believe what I could, how I believed in myself because of my childhood. Yeah. When you're told a million times that you're no good, you're stupid, you're useless, you're never going to amount to much. You know, as a young kid, you take all that on, you believe it. And so, you know, I realized that I could, you know, work on my inner self and I could change a lot of the programming. Right. And that was the real key. And, and with hypnotherapy, I found a tool to do just that. And so, you know, I would, um, you know, I learned self-hypnosis and I would spend, you know, hours a day in a state of self-hypnosis, you know, working on feeling more confident, feeling more abundant, being, you know, getting on with people, you know, finding opportunities. And so I worked really, really hard on that. And, and sure enough, the external world responded in a very positive way. And I started to meet you know, more positive people and opportunities started to come to me. And it really was a kind of then and now situation. And and as soon as I got on that path, I, I got more, the momentum built over time and I did become, you know, more successful and happier and hang out with much nicer people. And, you know, I feel still I'm on that, I'm on that journey now. You know, I'll, I'll still be on the self-help thing when I'm 90, you know, working. <laughs> working on my inner self and yeah. clearing those layers, peeling the onion, you know, because I think we're all a work in progress. We're all trying to clear our conditioning and raise our vibration, raise our energy and, right. you know, realize our potential. So a bunch of your stuff deals with conditioning, you know, negative conditioning, changing that programming. Um, and that is on this uh, higher perspective meditation that you've done with us. Um, yeah. But you're also known for sleep, right? Um, that's one of your big application areas. Yeah, sleep is still the um, most popular recording because mm -hmm. I think in this day and age where everyone's on technology until late at night and, um, you know, I get guilty of it at times. You know, it's so easy to be on your phone sending messages at 11 o'clock or 12 yeah. o'clock. So sleep is a big issue for most people. And, um, you know, so the recordings, I've, I've done a number of different sleep recordings. I have done a binaural sleep recording um, and other sleep recordings that, you know, wind people down at night and take them into that state where their brainwaves slow from 14 cycles down to the, you know, beta, alpha mm -hmm. and delta state down to that lovely sleep state. Yeah. It's such a nice way to do it, you know, to listen to a recording and if you're, if you resonate with it and you're into it, you just go with it and yeah. go down. And it, it sounds like you also like to work in this borderline state, kind of between wakefulness and sleep. Um, is that what you find to be optimal for changing the programming, for trying to change the conditioning? Yeah, absolutely. Because if if people go too deep asleep in the record with the recordings, they tend to, you know, there's up to a certain point they'll take on the suggestions, but when they drop too deep asleep, maybe in the Delta state, they will not be uh, taking on the suggestions. So mm -hmm. yeah, the recordings I make tend to prime the listener to take on board the suggestion. Mm -hmm. So to be in the most receptive state at the right time. And I've always used a combination of, um, you know, my hypnotherapy language and techniques and music because mm -hmm. of my musical background. Um, and, and that's the key. And, and, you know, so it's really making, you know, because I found as a therapist one to one, you know, seeing clients, it wasn't necessarily about the depth of trance that they went into. But it was always more about how receptive they were to taking on board the suggestion. Yeah. So that was always the key element. So with the recordings, I try to 
create that state where they're really ready to, you know, take on board the suggestion and, you know, and whether it's a sleep suggestion or a lose weight suggestion or whatever it is, you kind of prime them for that through through the process of the recording. Mm-hmm. And so you also place an emphasis on healing. Um, how would you say the act of changing the conditioning or the programming relates to healing? So changing the um, programming, I think um, it depends on what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, the healing side of things, you know, I've really, um, with me, because I had so much dysfunction and so many uh, addictions from my younger life, the healing side of it played a big part in my, you know, my journey. And, you know, I've kind of taken that, you know, as far as I can, and I continue to do that, um, you know, because I have worked with other therapists. I've worked with plant medicine. I've, I've experienced ayahuasca a number of times and found that to be that to be pretty amazing. You know, that's really helped me. And, um, you know, one of the sessions, ceremonies I did, uh, the transformation I went through that night, it was like 50 therapy sessions in one night. It was so powerful and cathartic. And, um, you know, but it's, that was for me, you know, for every person, I, I always think, you know, there's certain healing modalities that suit different individuals uh, because we've all got different makeups. Mm-hmm. You know, with me, when I heard and read about ayahuasca, I was drawn to it immediately because I could see that it was very powerful. And, and the shamans say that the medicine, when you're ready for it, the medicine calls you. And, and again, I would meet the right people at the right time back then who would take me, you know, down that road and into these amazing ceremonies that I experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I live out here in Southern Spain and I did a ceremony not so long ago down on along the coast in Marbella. Yeah. But it was a little, it was a little bit of a commercial setup. There were 20 or 30 people in the room and they'd flown this shaman over for South from South America. And he, he looked a bit like he'd done it a thousand times and he wasn't, he, he didn't seem very present to me. Huh. And the medicine, the medicine wasn't very strong either. So that, that, that was not a very, I didn't get a lot from that. Yeah. So it's really, it's really important if you go down these roads to find the right people and follow your heart and follow your intuition to connect with the right people who you're, so that you're going to get the, you know, the best end result from it. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's amazing how mainstream ayahuasca has become now. I, I was flipping channels the other day and I saw this reality show on TV about ayahuasca and like there's not you know an authentic looking shaman or a curandero running it it's like a bunch of guys named Billy Bob <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> you know brewing up a you know a batch at home um, yeah. so yeah it makes you wonder if everyone's kind of getting the right guidance and getting kind of the authentic experience as they sort of embark on that and as I understand it, you know, the, the medicine is such, um, it's, it's revered in, in South America. It's revered as this amazing um, ceremonial experience that you can partake in that can heal you of so much, you know, yeah. past, past life karma, past life, um, you know, things that you come into this life with, um, addictions, you know, this, this well-documented that, 
you know, heroin addicts have uh, been able to completely go clean after a ayahuasca ceremony. Mm-hmm. But and I also think, you know, what you said there's so true. You know, there's some it's very pervasive now. You you read about it a lot and you see it a lot. It's you know, in mainstream TV, you yeah. you see it, and it kind of shows that there's a real need in people now for that healing. You know, people are looking deeper. Yeah, there's so much of it. You know, it's, yeah, there's so people are crying out for help, aren't they? And, yeah, and a desire to be healed. Yeah, there's a lot of wounding out there. Um, yeah, and people are looking for ways, different modalities to try to address that. And they might not, they might not even consciously uh, be aware of exactly what it, e- what it is that needs to be addressed in them. They just know that something's not right. Um, yeah. yeah. Or hoping that, you know, there's some better way to, to be. Yeah. So people are waking up to different forms of healing and, you know, willing to, you know, go the nth degree. And, um, you know, it's, it's a f- interesting time that we live in because, we live in this amazing age of technology. You know, just what we're doing now. You're in you're in Los Angeles. I'm in southern Spain, and we're we're sharing this. You know, our, our experiences, and it's incredible. You know, absolutely incredible. But there's also this chaos in the world and <laughs> the stress, and and you look at the people running the show. Yeah. You, know, you look at the people. You think, is this? You know, these are these the best people to be running? This? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's a crazy time in a lot of ways, but it's also very exciting. And there are a million opportunities that we've got that our grandparents never had. Yeah. I mean, I would say this, my grandparent, my, my grandfather worked in a you know, really crappy factory in London on a really low wage for 50 years, never expected to get any promotion, never got it. And at the end of it, they gave him a, a watch that was worth two bob. You know, so he, and he never traveled anywhere, never went anywhere. He lived in that life and he was... You know, he doffed his cap to the, like, the the bosses, and that was his lot. And that was for the majority of people in the UK, anyway. That was that was the case, and I'm sure it was, you know, the case in the states. So two generations later, we are the world's open. You know, there's all these opportunities, and you can come from very humble background, humble beginnings, and you know, make a, a very good life for yourself. Yeah. So it's an it's an interesting time that we are we've incarnated into, and I love it. But there's all the pitfalls as well, you know. What was it Oscar Wilde said? I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> yeah, and that's always where we fall, isn't it, as human beings? Yeah, um, you know, we're always kind of involved in some level of grasping or aversion, right? And that um, you know, much of that is based on our conditioning, on our programming. Yeah, absolutely. The the you know the the material treadmill that you know if you you know get the promotion or you get the bigger house or the nice car you're going to be happy and it doesn't always pan out like that. I I realized early on when I was working as a hypnotherapist, I worked in quite a a nice part of South London, a place called Chiselhurst, and it was like stockbroker area. Right. And I used to see all these guys who were very very wealthy and successful, but they were burnt out. Yeah. You know, they could, they were having panic attacks and just couldn't cope. So their life was so out of balance. Right. You know, that, that desire to, uh, for material acquisition was so strong that there was no balance there and right. you know, it was burning. So how about you now, Glenn? I mean, you've got all the stuff, you know, you're successful, but yeah. you know, you've chosen to move to Southern Spain, kind of lead a quiet life. 
I mean, mm. you seem very content. I mean, it's plain to see. So how much mm. of your happiness do you think derives from having the stuff versus, you know, what's going on inside of you? Well, the material stuff, you mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's lovely. I, I really do appreciate that. Yeah. And having having come from a place where I was so, so broke for so long yeah. and lived in rough areas it's a i'm really glad i had that now because it gives you that contrast but you know the truth of it is it's lovely to be able to have that but it doesn't you know you can have all that and not be happy right yeah so you have to get that balance you have to work on your inner self and you know for me it's about continuing clearing Mm -hmm. you know because as i as i clear stuff now you know i still find this this there's more to do you know there's always more to do and and i will continue to do that yeah. because you know it's a journey it's a work in progress and um you know i've met some very knowledgeable people and very wise shaman and have, having got to know them you realize that they've got stuff yeah even sure. though they know a lot of things and they're experiencing life at a very higher vibration if you like they're still they're still they're still human beings with their own issues and stuff to work through yeah so it's i i think you know we're all on that path and whether we realize it or not so that's a very important thing you know i i love my career and i love what i do but it's you know it's so much about uh getting a balance in life as well you know happiness and you know working on relationships and right that you know that nicer balance right and I, yeah. I asked the question because there's, uh, you know, there's quite a few studies now that, that indicate that after you have your basic needs met, you know, roof over your head, food on the table, um, clothes on your back, um, each additional dollar of wealth or of income doesn't do that much to increase your overall life satisfaction. Um, no. It comes from other stuff. And yeah. Yeah, I, I've kind of experienced that personally as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's that same thing, isn't it? You know, I, I do know someone very close to me who's extremely wealthy, and but they're tied up with money problems, always got money problems and tied up in knots, and, and it's really strange, but their whole focus in life was to make money. Right. Pretty much the exclusion of everything else. Yeah. You know, they, it was such a drive. And it was their desire to make money was so out of balance, you know, and they didn't take care of the other side of it. And yeah. they live a very superficial life and not the money is, brings them comfort, material comfort, but there's a lot of so much missing. And, um, you know, for me, I've got two little kids now. I've mm-hmm. got two young kids, and, you know, I'm 56 and I've got two little kids of two and four. So I've kind of, um, you know, done that journey later in life. I've got an older son who's 30, who's, who's a great lad. but And it's a challenge. It's That's a tough challenge, you know, but it's also one of the most rewarding things you can do in life. I mean, these two little boys, they look up to me for everything. And, you know, I'm their provider for everything. And, and it's such a responsibility. But I, and as hard as it is, I absolutely love it. I love it. And it's like, you know, I could be swanning around on a yacht if I didn't have them, you know, and live in, the, live in, you know, in a flash place along the coast. But for me, that would just doesn't appeal. You know, it's like I look at people who do that and, you know, they 
just I don't know there's a certain type of people that a person that appeals to for me you know getting my hands dirty with these two young kids it's going to be a much much when I leave this planet it's going to be a much much bigger legacy than having a million quid in the bank or whatever mm-hmm. you know being working from your heart that's always what I come back to you know when when life gets a bit challenging or tough or you know you go off track you lose you come off the rails go back to your heart you know connect with your heart and you know operate from that you know we're all we're all on the journey everyone's got their own struggles and going through difficulties and and you know be generous with other people you know there's there's always a little meditation that I do that I do it when I'm out and about where I just um, you know imagine that my heart energy connecting with other people and just sending people a you know, if I'm walking along the beachfront, I'll see people from all places, from all over Europe and all creeds and colours. And and I don't make any judgment. I just send people a feeling of love. Mm. It's such a simple thing to do. And it's yeah. amazing the way people respond to you. Yeah. People people feel it. Yeah. And they smile, yeah. they smile back at you. And you think, wow, this is, you know, this is, um, what do you call it, a remote connection that I'm making here from the energy that I'm transmitting. Right. So I always go back to that simple thing, you know, the Beatles sung songs about it that just resonated with people. It's it's about love and compassion and being kind. Right. Yeah, that's what's that's kind of what's missing in the world because we've been, you know, we've been sold this uh, material nirvana, you know, this this thing that if you you work hard and you do all this, you know, you're going to be happy and and it's not that. It's about you know, operating from your heart center and and being kind and compassionate. So I'm curious then, I mean, you must feel that you're transmitting some of this then with every exercise that you record and put out into the world. I mean, that is certainly my hope for the work that we do at, at, at Hemisync. You know, we're trying to get yeah. more of this stuff out into the world. Um, yeah. It, well, we've got such a beautiful platform, haven't we? We're yeah. both putting out these recordings that are impacting people in such a positive way. And yeah, you know, what a blessing that is. You know, at the end of... You know, you, you imagine we could have worked in a stock market and made a fortune. I did. Uh, did you? <laughs> that's, that's my background, yes. <laughs> but, you know, you, I bet you're much more fulfilled in what you're doing now because you're really yeah. impacting people. Oh, yeah. You know, you're changing lives. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, the money alone doesn't doesn't do that. It's such no. a blessing. You yeah. know? And I, I love that, you know, the feedback. I, I read reviews every day and they're just, they're amazing. You know, right. some people say... I listen to your recording, I'm free of cancer. You know, I've had plenty of those or, you know, they've overcome a major problem. And, you know, our young kids now, because of the app store, I've got all my apps on the app store that have been downloaded. You've got millions of downloads. Yeah, on the app store, it's been fantastic. And so I get young kids who, you know, from all over the world message me and say, you know, I used to get bullied, but now I feel more confident because I'm listening to your recording. Mm. You know, that, that for me is worth its weight in gold. You know, yeah. and it totally inspires me. So when I record, you know, now, when I first made my first recordings, they were quite basic. You know, I'd sometimes improvise them and then record them and put them out. And they were quite rough around the edges, some of the early ones. And I used to, uh, because I grew up in London, I had more of a London accent back then. And I'd, I'd read reviews on Amazon and places and they say, yeah, it was good recording, but he sounded a bit like a builder. <laughs> Chimney or sweep. Or some, <laughs> chimney sweep. Or like the guy of, um, what was it, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. You know, he had that Cockney accent. Yeah. yeah. And it, so I got a lot. So then I thought, well, hang on a minute. You better sort your accent out. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so I'd start to, um, you know, 
give a bit more attention to what I was saying and and the grammar I used and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the recordings I make now, I really refine them and, um, you know, go over the scripts and then record them and, you know, I spend a few days mixing them and then I listen to it, you know, play it to, I give it to my staff, the people who work for me and they give me feedback and then I refine it. Yeah. And I, and I notice working with you guys, you do the same. Same process. Yeah. You're right. Your engineer has sent me three or four versions now, and each time yeah. he's gone back, he's improved it. Yeah, and folks internally listen to him too. Like, I mean, I listen to him and weigh in. And, yeah. Um, yeah, lots of folks listen to it before it goes out. And and that's it, you know, because you're really, you want to put out something that you're proud of and something mm-hmm. that really hits the spot. Yes. You know, because it is, it's, a, it's so fantastic to have this platform and, you know, when I, as I say, when I first made the recordings, I thought I oh, would be a few people listening to them, but now it's you know in the millions. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's I'm really um, take a lot of care over yeah. what I do, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So with with all that said, what was the inspiration uh, behind this higher perspective meditation that we're about to put out here together? Mm. That one was. Um, my my uh, PA, who's been with me since I started, she's been with me 20 years, she uh, wrote that script. Mm-hmm. She put that script together. We kind of had a loose idea what we wanted to do. And, um, and it was about, it was kind of about problem solving. Because sometimes, you know, you get so caught up in problems and um, issues with people and uh, conflicts. Mm-hmm. You get caught up in it and, you know, you're, you can get, um, you know, your emotions come up and you, you get embroiled in it. Yeah. But this recording is very much about stepping out of that and viewing it from a higher perspective, mm-hmm. seeing it from, you know, a more spiritual perspective. Yeah. And look, so there's a part of the recording where you look down mm-hmm. and um, you can view it and then there's a suggestion given to you, you know, that your unconscious will, will find a solution to this problem, mm-hmm. you know, when the time's right. And so it's really about that. It's about problem solving from a higher perspective and, and seeing your life from a higher perspective. Right. Yeah. So it, it begins almost like an out of body exercise where you invite the listener to ascend to a star that you observe in the night sky and you kind of merge with that star. You view yeah. your life from that higher perspective. Um, yeah. And you invite the listener to release um, fears and unwanted behaviors, um, and then to have the experience of happiness and love. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's a beautiful script. Yeah, it's a lovely script. My, as I say, my PA Marie, mm-hmm. Marie Williamson. I should give her a Marie. shout out. Shout out to Marie. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's. Um, she has to say she's been with me twenty years, and she knows she knows my work inside out. So. Uh-huh. It's the only time I've ever uh, saying that there's I did do a range of solfagio medi- meditations that I co-scripted. Mm-hmm. But other than that, my own recordings, that's the only person that's ever scripted another recording. I always do my own scripts. Mm-hmm. But Marie knows me so well, knows my work. And, you know, with the wording, she was so spot on with that. Mm-hmm. And I refined it at the end. You know, I polished it. And um, and that that was the source of that recording. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lovely one. And your guy. Your guys, um, Kevin, Cowan, Kevin. Yeah, the music he's put to it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really lovely, and and the last mix I heard, the, it's really blending nicely with the vocal. The vocal's sitting in the in the music. It surrounds it. Yeah, 
and it builds it builds up i love that yeah i love that and binaurals kick in towards the end don't they or the, well, yeah they so a- they all kind of have an arc of experience to them so there's a binaural component through most of the exercise but the frequencies change um over the course of that exercise um mm. And we try to leave space so that the user can, or the listener can have his or her own experience, and it's not yeah. totally dominated by the um, audio guidance. Yeah, I've kind of do that on my more recent recordings. Mm-hmm. You know, that's again, you know, making meditation recordings. There's an art to it, isn't there? And yeah. you learn as yeah. you go along. It's like you, you know, if you do anything for long enough, you get better at it. Yeah, we should. Yeah should do anyway um and yeah i do leave that space i leave space as well because you know and, and the music kevin's created around there is so hypnotic and beautiful mm. you, know, you can go with that you can leave that space and it's you you get lost in it yeah it's yeah. Um, it's lovely so it's good to have that yeah well so then the uh, the listener's got time to really process it yeah 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 so I, I'm also curious, how do we wind up working together? I, I'm actually not privy to the backstory. How did we find each other? Do you know? Do you I, know? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it, was, it was um, it was probably about, it was quite a while ago, wasn't uh-huh. it? Maybe a year, six months or a year ago we At started least. to message. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done um, recordings for other companies, but okay. I'd only do that if i felt i was in sync with them right and no pun intended you know, listen, no no yeah. no but listening to the quality of your work and and knowing and you've got a very good reputation in our business mm, thank you and i know you've been As around you. for a very long time yes. yeah so you know i am i'm careful who i will work with and who mm-hmm. i will you know um uh, you know collaborate with and, mm-hmm. and it just felt right you know i think sometimes it's gut feeling isn't it yeah because we start we started with a few emails went back and forth and and you just get a feel from that don't you and yeah and it just kind of felt right right it felt you know it's not you know it's nice now i'm in a position where i can say yes or no to things Uh you know sometimes things come along and they they can look appealing but i don't know if, if i feel that uh the they're not on the same sort of wavelength or there's not the same end goal, yeah. then it's not, it's not for me. That's so, right. yeah. yeah, but this felt good. And you only got to listen to the recording now, how it's turned out to yeah. know that it was spot on. Right. You know, no, it turned the out stars nice. were aligned. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it came together. Thanks for working with us, Glenn. Um, I hope everyone who's watching this got something out of it. If you did uh, give us a like or share it up, leave a comment. We'll try to get back to you. Um, But thanks again. Until next time.